you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. What up, Sober Guy family? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thank you for supporting the show. This is Seth Manter, and you are listening to the Tuesday episode of Sober Guy Radio. On today's episode, I'm super pumped to be talking with Tess Sweet. Tess is a recovering heroin addict turned amazing filmmaker. Tess is the creator and director of Cleaner Days, a super dope film that follows Jasmine, a newbie drug counselor, as she struggles to wrangle a misfit crew of teenage drug addicts while secretly battling her own addiction. Cleaner Days shines a light on the realities of living with addiction and reminds us there's a little fucked up in all of us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with that. There's a lot of fucked up in all of us. Before we get to tests, be sure to check us out at www.thatsoberguy.com. There's a bunch of resources there. You could check out all our past episodes and you could get information on upcoming live shows and events. And if you feel so inclined, you could email me at Seth at that sober or you could hit me on the Instagram at sober guy, Seth Tess, What's up? It's an honor to have you on today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm super stoked and honored to be on this podcast. Um, I reached out to you guys a while ago because I was like, Hey, what's up? Cleaner days, cleaner days. I'd love to talk about cleaner days. So when you guys responded and got back to me, I was, yeah, I'm super stoked to be here and to talk with you um, about everything. Recovery, cleaner days, making shit happen when you're clean, all of that. Yeah, no, and that's 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 where the connect um, kind of started, man. And and you know, obviously, we we check you out before we 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 um, respond back. And and Tess, you were one of those people. That I was like, fuck yeah. Um, Shane and I were actually like, nah, dude, I want to have her on. Nah, I want to have her on. And and I think we flipped a coin or something. And I won. So I was the one that got to hit you up. Um, and super pumped. Uh, w- would you call it like a mini series type thing? Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was like, I didn't want to correct you in the intro, but it's not, it's not really a film. It's a series. So it's a digital series. Season one is five episodes. Um, and so yeah, digital series, that's what, that's how we roll. Yeah. Super, super dope. And I can't, I can't wait to get into that, but Tess, I'd like for you to get into your story a little bit. Tell us, um, what it was like when you were caught up in your addiction, how you got uh, clean and sober, and how you're rolling today. Sure. Um, I love talking about recovery. Um, I'm out loud with my recovery. Um, I have found that by using my shame as sort of a source of inspiration, I can turn it around. I think for, 
people who, especially IV drug users, there is this, you know, shame around the needle. And I still struggle with it. You know, I never thought I'd be one of those people um, ever in a million years. And I still struggle with healing that shame. And part of what I have found works for me is by talking about it and not hiding in the closet with it. Um, you know, it didn't start out with needles when I was younger. You know, it was, it started with weed and alcohol in high school. Everybody did it in high school. Um, it was all about partying. And for a long time, it was fun. And um, I think fast forward, you know, well, okay, rewind first a little bit. I think I was prone from the get-go to indulge a little more than the other people just because, you know, I once I discovered getting high um, as that crutch, as that crutch to sort of be in the world, it really fixed me. It was my solution to the serious depression I've struggled with my whole life. Um, I think I have a disposition that I was born with where I was just born kind of sad and kind of, um, yeah, just, I was sad. I was a sad kid. I wouldn't say there was any trauma that brought that. Like my parents loved me. My parents aren't addicts, but I struggled with depression my whole life. And so when I found drugs in high school, I just loved it. I loved it. I felt fine in my skin. I, I was social. I was fun when I was loaded. Um, and then fast forward a few years, you know, people started to go off and like go to college and, and do cool stuff. And I just wanted to smoke weed and sit on the couch and talk about the things I was going to do, but like didn't do. Um, and, you know, I wanted to be in a band, but I didn't play an instrument. I liked to, I was an artist. Um, I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse. You know, I wanted to be a performance artist. Um, I wasn't, I always was a square peg round hole, you know? Um, and then fast forward a few years, I think I was around 20. I was a victim of a violent crime. Um, I was raped at gunpoint hmm. and, uh, I was with two guys when it happened, like two big tattooed guys. And the reason I say that, and sometimes I struggle with like, should I talk about it? Should I mention the word rape? But the truth is that was a pivotal change in my addiction. Like I never did really hard drugs before that, but I think that when you suffer a trauma, it changes you. Like I just sort of, part of me just kind of gave up on life and I lost hope. I discovered there was true darkness and evil in the world. And also as a woman, like I've always felt sort of like, okay, I should be on guard when I'm walking on the street alone. But when I'm with a group of people, I feel safe. But I was like, there were three of us. And it was like a scene from a, a horror movie. It was a, a terrifying event. And um, it changed me. I think it was almost a year later to the date, like right after we, we testified and went to trial and put these guys behind bars, like that's when I did heroin for the first time. Um, that's, and honestly, I really don't think that it would have happened if it wasn't for that. Um, sometimes, especially around, you know, around recovery and talking to other addicts, I've found that, you know, a lot of us have 
have survived trauma and it was a coping mechanism, you know? And so throughout my twenties, I struggled with that. And I did a lot of, you know, there was always that little voice that knew better and knew that I knew that I didn't want to be lost in that world. There was always that little voice, that little sparkle of hope, you know, um, and I would get clean for 30 days or I would get clean for a day. And it was just, I did a lot of back and forth with that. Um, and uh, meanwhile, like, as I was saying about that sadness and that depression that kind of haunted, I, I was just, I suffered from that and I was self-medicating, you know? Um, but fast forward some years and I had a, a near death overdose in 1999, I guess. Um, and, uh, I woke up naked on the bathroom floor with no idea how, how I'd gotten there. Um, I went into my room. I was like, there were all these malt liquor cans and I don't drink malt liquor. And it just, there was a used condom on the bed and I don't even remember having a dude over and it scared me it scared me to death. And, um, I just sort of had that, that bottom, that moment of clarity, that fork in the road moment where I knew it was life or death. And I thought about my mom and everything that I put her through. And I just thought, you know, for me, using and suicide are the same thing. And, um, so at first, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily I did it for myself cause I was so broken, but my mom was my love my mom and I just thought of her and I just didn't want her heart to break over, you know, losing me to my sickness. So I checked into rehab. Actually, I checked into the hospital. I was so dope sick and sick. I was in detox for like eight days, plugged into some machines. And anyway, from there, I just followed direction. I did every little thing they tell you. Like I, they told me I should go to a program. So I went to rehab in the rehab. They took us out to meetings to NAAA all, you know, and I, I hate to say it, but like I would go to the meetings and I'd see hot, sober, tattooed guys. And it would <laughs> give me that little sparkle of hope. I'd be like, Oh, you know, I could do this. Everybody looked so happy and they looked like they were having fun and they were healthy. And I found my people, which I think ultimately you do have to find your people in recovery. Cause if you don't, you won't stick around, you know, Yeah. but I did, I went to an SLE. I did. I just like went to meetings every day and I definitely am not, you know, I don't want to speak out like I represent NA or AA, but it is the 12 step rooms that saved my life. And when I first started going, I thought it was a cult and I fucking hated it. And I found the language of the AA big book really irritating. Um, but what kept me coming back was hearing from other addicts, hearing people, you know, share the sick stuff they used to do and um, laughing. There's so much laughter in the meetings, like laughing about the sick stuff we used to do. And I found it so healing, you know, because there's some stuff you can't talk with normies about you know, it freaks them out. Um, and so I find that comfort by going to meetings and it's fucking amazing. They're free. You know, it's, it's, I feel like it's God's gift to addicts. I really do. And, um, 
it's not the only way, it's not the only path to recovery, but it's what worked for me. So along those lines, I, I want to move quickly to the recovery part of the story is one of the things I realized is that um, when you get clean, you can't just stop using drugs. You have to start doing something else. And I really didn't have a lot going on. I started over from zero and uh, I decided based on some other friends, like I was going to take a class at community college and I started doing a little like digital photography. And then I got into digital video editing, final cut pro version one back in the day. And I got really into making videos and stuff. I even started my own cable access show in Berkeley. Um, and, uh, I ended up getting some, uh, support from the state because there are a lot, of, there's a lot of support out there for people. When you're starting over from zero, if you can get out there and apply for shit, I got, I got help with my resume. I got food bags from like the food bank. I got, um, support from the state to go back to school. So I ended up going and getting, um, a fully paid full ride to San Francisco state, um, and got a degree bachelor's degree in film. And, um, from there, you know, during that time, kept going to meetings, focusing on my recovery, focusing on also, also getting mental health support because I do seek outside help for my depression. Um, but I got really into it. I just took off like trajectory, just bam, straight to out the gate. I just kept rolling with it. It's what made me feel good. It's also what helped me sort of come to terms with my own story is because most of my films have to do with um, my life. Like I do a lot of my writing sort of based on my life experience. And a big part of my life experience is, you know, my, re my recovery journey. Um, so then I applied to UCLA. I ended up getting my master's degree in film directing from UCLA. Damn. And just so, yeah, just so you know, it's not fucking easy to get into that program. They only accept 15 directors a year. And sometimes they're up to a thousand applicants. And wow. the way I got in is because I told my recovery story. You don't have to apply with a film. You apply with the story you want to tell. And I st told the story of my bottom. What happened? The story that I mentioned to you like five minutes ago, the one about waking up naked on the bathroom floor, that fork in the road moment. And um, I, I went to UCLA, one of the best film schools in the world. And yeah, from there, I just, I think it's my life path. It's my journey. It's my dream. And, you know, I work with some at-risk youth now and, uh, and I also volunteer with, with teens and recovery. I take a meeting into the, the camp, which is a local rehab for teens. And a lot of the kids struggle with, you know, like they don't have a dream or they don't have dreams and you don't have to have a dream when you get clean. I didn't have any fucking dreams. I woke up to have the, the possibility of discovering who I was by being clean, you know, and, and all that time you spend scoring, thinking about scoring, getting high, being hungover, it takes a lot of time. And if you take all that energy and to put it into something cool, like you can make amazing shit happen, you know, and that's what I always recommend to newcomers. Like, can't just quit using, you got to start doing something. I like take a class, 
do like metal, like go take a metal welding class or go take a gardening class or start knitting, do something with your hands, just get out of your head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tess, I don't, not to interject or not to interrupt, but I think you bring up a, a, a super solid point right there is that, um, you know, especially new to sobriety, um, is the, the point that you bring up that it takes a shit ton of fucking work. Right. And that you, mm-hmm. um, for yourself, you wanted change and you, you came to realize that, um, although there was programs out there to kind of depend and guide you along the way, that no one was going to do that shit for you unless you did it, um, for yourself. But by being supported and by being around, uh, like-minded people, I think that, you know, for me, um, that was one of the biggest things that when I was new in sobriety, um, is that, you know, I thought that my life was just going to be amazing and that everything was going to be handed to me and everything was going to be, you know, uh, pink clouds and puppy dogs or whatever the fuck you want to say, but it, it wasn't, it was definitely uh-huh. a, a, uh, a path. And I, and, and today, like I still continue have to work on this shit. And I think that I love that you bring that up. Like it's super, um, it's super important, especially for the, for the newcomer to hear, um, it, that, you know, this shit takes fucking work. Like you gotta, uh-huh. you gotta want it. And, um, if you want it, there's those resources that are out there that will, that will, that will help you. So, but, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing me that up and, and, and I'm sorry, but, uh, thank you for letting me interrupt you and, and interject there. Cause I, I think that that's, that's a super, super important topic. And we get, we get asked that shit all the time. Like, you know, Oh my God, I'm clean. I'm sober. And my life still fucking sucks. Well, you know, yeah, it's still life, but you gotta, you gotta, you're going to get out of it exactly what you put back into it. So Totally. I mean, look at you guys with, you know, starting the podcast. That's what it's all about, right? Like giving back where you can, doing something creative. As an artist in recovery, if I'm not creating something, I get depressed. I got to be moving forward or I'm moving backward, you know? And what I found was that if I use my own journey as a source of, you know, my creative work, I can do I can do honest, authentic work that people can relate to because I'm using a voice that with experience and I, uh, I have an honest, you know, story to share. I think people, I mean, to get moved back into cleaner days, my show, like what people respond to and the reason people love it and the reason it's the best show ever and you should watch it (laughs) is because it is, it is authentic. You know, it's set in a teen drug rehab. I've done work with a lot of young people. Um, It's hard to get clean when you're young because everybody parties, you know, everybody is, it's pretty rare that kids stay clean. Um, I've seen that in the work that I do, but Uh, it's also when I, when I first started working with this population, I thought, you know, this is a juicy story. There's so many layers of drama here because, you know, with teens and so in the rehab setting, all the people who work there are in recovery, you know, and they all have crazy shit going on of their own. You know, some of them are more recovered than others. Some, some of them, you know, you get addicted to CrossFit or juicing or sex addiction and, 
So there's all this drama with the people who work there who are still tempted to use but have to hide it, you know, and be model recovery for these young people. And then there's the young people who don't want to get clean. And then there's the drama with the kids because really they're kids. They're making out. They're fucking with each other. They're trying to sneak. And, you know, Clear Days, it's a dark comedy. It's not a PSA, an anti-drug PSA. It's entertainment. I sometimes pitch it as it's like Orange is the New Belief. Orange is the New Black, but it's about teens in rehab. It's funny, but it's also authentic and real, you know, and very sad and dark at some some points because we touch on really important issues like, you know, losing friends to overdose, which this is a phenomenon that it, it's different. We live in a different time now. I work with kids, like, I've had kids that I've worked with or like 13, 14 who've lost friends to overdose. And when I was in high school, it was just all about weed and alcohol and maybe some occasional ecstasy, which they call Molly now, but in my day it was ecstasy. It was like, you know, it was fun and games. Now kids are dying. The, the drug culture is different now. Dude, and that's, that is so, so true. It's crazy. And I, I, like, I don't even know when the shift took place. Um, the town that I grew up in, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know, downplay alcohol or cocaine or, or make heroin out to be like this super, you know, like dirty thing or whatever. And I, I already think there's that stigma there, but I don't, I don't know when that shift took place because I was never, um, you know, the, 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 I, I was never subject to, or heroin was never even available where I grew up, or maybe it was, and I just wasn't, wasn't seeking it. Um, but what we're, the shit that we're dealing with today, man, it is most definitely an epidemic. And dude, like, I didn't awaken to that, that it, you know, that it's what it's doing to fucking young kids today until I went to rehab. And, you know, most of the kids that I was in treatment with were, um, you know, heroin addicts or, or, you know, there were pill poppers and shit, dude. It's, it's so, it's so crazy. Um, you know, the, the shit that we're dealing with today, it's, 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 it's mind blowing that, um, it's, I know you read about it in the news all the time. And I just gotta say, like, I don't know where these kids are getting these pills because you know, I got diagnosed with cancer last year and I went through cancer treatment, like chemo and all that stuff. And I had also had a surgery and, you know, I had to get pain pills for a short period of time. And man, they, you know, they only give you seven at a time in this, in Santa Cruz. They're like, and same with my mom is, has, you know, is going through cancer treatment now and they count out the pills. They are very, very careful you know, and they talk about because of the opioid epidemic, we don't want the very conscious in our community. But then you read in the paper about <laughs> about this pill epidemic in some states and where I live, I just don't know where the fuck these kids are getting these pills because yeah. I only got like three at a time when I, you know, actually needed some. But anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, no, I know it's 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 fucking insane. It's it's and it's it, it's sad. It's heartbreaking. You know, I think that um, especially over the last five years, like we would have seen this this big shift. Um, but it seems you know the the epidemic seems to be getting worse for for some reason. I I have no it idea. It is, and 
You know, I think another thing that I want to speak to, just to bring it back to Cleaner Days, because I'm so excited about Cleaner Days. Yeah, I was, getting ready. I was getting ready to ask you, Tess. <laughs> Let's talk about fucking Cleaner Days. So we're, we're, we're on the Cleaner Days right now. So uh, I just want to lead into, um, tell us more about Cleaner Days, what you already haven't told us, kind of like what was your... Um, your uh, what 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 made you want to make cleaner days like what was the motivation behind making cleaner days and creating i'd say well the biggest thing is i wanted to do something with the resources i have in the community that i'm in so i moved away from hollywood to the santa cruz area cuz i met my husband at burning man and he lived here and we did the long distance thing for a while and then i moved here and when I got here, I started volunteering with um, a recovery high school called the Yes School. And this is where I first sort of got connected with this community and um, saw the struggle. And I, you know, high school is when it all went to shit for me. And I wish that I had known about recovery and knew that there were young people who were cool, that were getting clean. And um, anyway, because I'm a filmmaker, I got to make films. So I started. I just thought, you know, I want to shoot something here in Santa Cruz with the resources that I have. And so I wrote the series, um, connected with, I met a, a woman who has a video production team here in Santa Cruz and we started collaborating and, um, I wrote it. I found the location where we wanted to shoot it. And I felt strongly from the beginning about, uh, casting as many addicts in recovery as I could because I wanted to offer opportunities to people who haven't had many people who felt broken but had dreams like I wanted to make some Hollywood dreams come true for some people who didn't believe it was possible so when we were casting I hung posters around town and just was like looking for people who have lived it people who have lived addiction survived homelessness been to rehab I did an open casting call and uh, invited people in to read and, and do some improv exercises with me in the auditions. And we got a killer cast. Um, some of my favorite cast members are, have mug shots, not head shots. Um, and uh, one of the favorite characters on Cleaner Days, he's actually in jail right now. I hope he gets out so that we can, because he re relapsed and ended up on the street again. But I hope he can be in season two because he's in one of the favorite characters. Seems. So, so which, which um, character was that? Who's your favorite? Um, I, he's, he plays, his name is Mitch, and he plays the receptionist. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, fucking love Yeah. Him. Yeah. Mitch is gnarly. He, He's gnarly and he's real. And um, I love what he brought to the table. I love what he brought. He goes, he brought himself. He brought when you can see when the thing about film compared to theater is that you get to use the, there's a power to the close up when the camera can go close up on the face, get the look in the eyes. And when you do a close up on an addict, who is acting a performance that they can relate to, there's a magic there that's palpable. And I also, you know, auditioned a bunch of people who weren't addicts and they couldn't pull off that same authenticity. So that means everything to me. I really strive for that. Not, not the whole cast are addicts. We definitely have some people, you know, who 
know about recovery and support the cause, but um, we did a, a little bit of some shooting of season two about a month ago, and I found this kid who had 60 days clean, and he is going to be my star of season two. I hope he stays clean. I pray he stays clean, but what he brought to it in the shoot, I mean, I was watching the monitor when we were shoot, when the camera was rolling and like, I had tears in my eyes. My mouth was dropped um, because we do a lot of improv and, and just let them sort of roll. We do kind of like in rehab where they have the therapeutic group, you know, where you write a goodbye letter to your drug of choice or you share you know, your story um, in the group setting. And so that's what I did. I just had the kids kind of open up and do it sort of improv style without a script. Um, you know, there is a narrative arc. We do have a script, but we often go off book and just roll with it. And that's the magic of Cleaner Days. It's beautiful. And when we make our dreams come true and get to do like an original half hour scripted show like on Netflix or Amazon or HBO. That's the dream. Um, I'm going to have to really stick to my guns and, and, and cast addicts in recovery when possible. I don't want to just cast names. A lot of studios, they want to like attach a name. They want to attach a star and it's great. If we can find stars who've actually lived it, then great. That's what I want. But I don't really want to cast actors who are just, what do they say, phoning it in. I don't want that. Part of the magic of Cleaner Days is the raw realness of the show. And I think it speaks. I mean, you've watched it. What did you think? Dude, it's Cleaner Days, um, you know, it, it, it is most definitely raw and real. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a big watcher of the TV or, or, you know, I usually fall asleep, um, during movies or whatever, but this was cleaner days was one of those, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to call it a film because one of these days I'm going to hope that it, it, it turns into a film, but it was, it was one of those, um, films that I, I, I was yearning for more. Um, it was most definitely entertaining. There was some super uh <laughs> hilarious moments in it um you know uh no no holds barred just rawness and then you know a lot of relatability um i think in in um one of the episodes you talked about the goodbye letter and um mm -hmm. the kids were going around the circle and doing their goodbyes letters and it brought me right back to when I was sitting in Azure Acres and we were reading our goodbye letters and it, it was just kind of one of those things like I just took a, d a deep breath and I, you know, I got some chills and then right after that, like there was something that brought me right back to the, to the episode and it had me fucking laughing. So, um, you know, for, for me, uh, it was, it was super relatable. And I think, something that, you know, that I shared before, before we hit the record button was, uh, the very first episode when Jasmine, uh, checks into, she's, she's basically a newbie, uh, drug alcohol counselor. And she's like, Hey, I'm here. I'm here for work. And she goes into this place. that's just like, you know, complete chaos. Right. And it's, it's, it's fucking mm -hmm. awesome. And it, it brought me back, um, from when I walked into, uh, where I went to treatment at, um, which, in my mind, it was a place of chaos, which it wasn't. It was a place of, of serenity and acceptance. But 
my mind was telling me like, there's no fucking way I'm ever going to be able to survive the 30 days here. Um, so there was, uh, definitely, definitely some relatability. Um, I shared it with Mel, my wife, and you know, she was like, dude, this shit is fucking tight. Like there needs to be some more. So it's, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, I, I see, I see cleaner days, um, you know, hitting the big screen and, and, and Tess, I'm not just saying that, like, this is some, some really good, good stuff. And, and obviously the cast dude is, is, is fucking hilarious. The, the parts, uh, the roles that they play, um, you know, like Mitch fucking comedy, uh, even your, even your husband plays a little part in it. He was, he was actually one of my favorite characters. He's, he's, um, the, the maintenance guy or the janitor guy. And it's, it, I don't think he says a word in the, in the whole series, but fucking, fucking awesome. Um, it's, it's kind of how I viewed the maintenance guy at the place that I went to, uh, uh, treatment at just kind of had his headphones on, did his shit. It was, it, it was some good stuff, dude. So I, most definitely looking forward to um, season two, and the, and so so your season two is already in the works, but season one released. When did season one release? So uh, end of April we released, and you can watch it just to give a little mini pitch of how people can watch it. We released it hashtag motherfucking everywhere. We you can watch it on our website, on YouTube, on Facebook, um, Vimeo. So all you have to do is search for cleaner days with a D A Z E. I definitely encourage people to watch it on YouTube because you can watch it on the big screen. If you have, everybody has a smart TV now, so you can watch it, you know, YouTube on your TV as a filmmaker who enjoys cinema. I want people to watch it on the big screen. Sure. You can watch it on your phone. That's cool. <clears throat> but you can also watch it big. Um, and I, I appreciate the fact you said you'd like to see it on the big screen. I would love to develop it to be a feature film. We'd love it to be a half hour TV show. Also, I think, I think the story kind of lends itself to series because it's ongoing and there, you can see like kids come and go from rehab. You know, you see staff have their kind of crazy dramas. Maybe one of them goes off and relapses. Like, the parents and the kids and there's so many layers to the drama. It's just like, I, I can't wait to make more. Um, shout out to anybody who watches it and loves it and has a shit ton of money. We do need support Hell yeah. and we would love, yeah, we need support to make more. And we're looking for a studio partner, um, a production company who wants, who loves to fall in love with the project and, you know, help us develop it and take it to the next level. Cause as you know, or maybe people don't know, film production is not cheap. Um, just feeding. I mean, when you have like a crew and a cast of 25 people, you know, it can cost just a thousand bucks a day just to feed everybody. That doesn't even include, you know, equipment and paying. We didn't pay anybody, honestly, for season one. And we're not going to do that again for season two. You can only ask for so many favors. Yeah, um, no, and, but and, and for sure, dude, like the, the cause is, is, is fucking amazing. So if someone wanted to, to donate to the cause or if they wanted to find out more about how they could help the cause out, how could they do that, Tess? Well, first of all, thanks for bringing that up. We actually started um, a group of us also separate from Cleaner Days. We started a nonprofit called Loud and Clean. So donations actually can be tax deductible. Um, we have a nonprofit called Loud and Clean, which we're 
Um, it's just in the seed phase. Like we're, we hope to produce more content, um, events, more like uh, a friend of mine is writing a feature about recovery. We will, I'd love to produce his feature as well. Maybe he'll even let me direct it. Um, but Loud and Clean is all about celebrating out loud recovery through entertainment um, and getting the message out there that uh, we do recover one day at a time. I'm not recovered. I would never say that I'm recovered. And if I relapse tomorrow, I hope I jump back on the wagon and keep making cleaner days because it's dangerous to let your clean time define who you are. You know, I have 17 years, but you know, when the shit hits the fan, nobody's cured. All we're promised is remission. I hate to tell you and you know, but addiction, it, it's forever. And if you're not working on recovery, you're working on a relapse. And so there's that. It's um, loud and clean is not about being recovered. It's about celebrating the journey and encouraging people to use their stories um, as creative superpower and harness their pain and their shame into making something positive. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you, you bring up a, a, a excellent point there. Um, you know, this is this, this addiction or, or alcoholism, or if we struggle with, um, you know, overeating or depression, you know, if we don't continue to work on it, man, it's, it's most definitely one of those things that could come back and bite us in the ass and um, take us right back out, you know, so that's, that's, that's super. I'm so glad that you bring that up Tess, too. Um, as a good reminder, you know what I mean? That, uh, you know, for me, it's just a, it's a sleeping tiger, right? And if I don't yep. continue to um, massage it and keep it asleep, that um, it, it'll most definitely come back and, and, and haunt me. And I, you know, I always said, man, I, I get a lot of questions about people, you know, like, man, you've been, you know, you've been sober for, and these are, you know, mo mostly normals, people that don't fucking, um, don't understand me, you know, just like I don't understand how they could have one beer, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Like, do you, do you think that you'll ever drink again? And I was like, bro, if I, if I ever pick up or, you know, if I were to smoke a blunt tomorrow, like I would probably be dead the next day. That's, yep. that's how bad, um, I think that, you know, I would turn out. Um, and I, I, I would never come back. Like I would be like, yep. fuck it. I'm done. Um, so and, and knowing that, you know, it, it, it keeps a little, you know, it motivates me to, to massage, um, massage that, that tiger a little bit for sure. So thank you so much, Tess, for bringing that, bringing that up for sure. Um, Definitely. Dude, we could, we could go on and on and on and all night. Um, you know, we, we, we had a super, super dope conversation before we, we got to hit the record button. Um, and I just, I just want to say, you know, I think, um, I'm just, I'm just going to go out and say it, you know, like there was, there was kind of a, a question whether, whether we were going to do this or not. Like I may not be in the best place. You may not be in the best place, but, um, I'm so, so stoked that we, we ended up hitting the record button. Um, I feel, I feel energized, uh, again, and, um, just having you on the show test has been, has been super dope. Uh, so I want to get back to how people could find more information out about cleaner days. So I'm on, um, cleanerdays.com right now. 
And it's a super, super sick website. Um, you can check out all the episodes there. You could learn, uh, uh, learn about loud and clean. You could check out, get some information about tests. There's some contact stuff there. And my most favorite part um, is you have some loud and clean gear on there. Yeah. Um, that uh, I, I love the baby onesie, the loud and clean. And oh, I, right. that, that is, that is, that is legit for sure. Um, that was so, my husband's genius. Yeah, no, that dude, if I had, I might, I might have to get that for, for my little nephew for sure, dude, that shit is fucking tight. But, um, yeah, <laughs> super, super dope website. Um, you could pick up. Some Thank you. Things. I made it myself. Yeah, no, nah, it, it, it looks good. Um, so, so Tess, if, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, where could they, I, I don't know if we talked about it, but we're going to talk about it again. Where could they find you at? Like if they wanted to hit you up. Well, um, I have a button on my website, cleanerdays.com that says connect with me and it emails me directly. So if you want to connect with me, just fucking hit that button or you can email me test at cleaner days, D A Z E. Um, and the way I remember it is, or the way I titled the show is I may be clean, but I'm still in a daze. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, cleanerdays.com at cleaner days series on Facebook. You can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, YouTube slash cleaner days. Follow us. Um, we also have some VR 360, like immersive virtual reality stuff in the work down the road. Um, you can watch a few of those scenes on YouTube, but it's cool to watch it on your phone because you can kind of like be inside the rehab and look where, it, where, be inside one of those groups with the kids. I don't know if you got a chance to check that out, but the no, VR is fun. I'm going to check we, that out. Yeah. We want to do more of that just to, you know, keep it interesting, keep creating, do it, exploring different avenues for creating media and making it fun. Yeah, no, it's super. So, so for the listener out there like myself that is that wants more of this cleaner days, and you know, if you haven't checked it out, check this shit out. It's legit. Um, the cast is is awesome. Tess has a an amazing talent. Her team, because I know there's a team behind you that helps you out with this. Um, you guys are doing some great work. So, for the for the for the cleaner days addict like myself, like what's next, dude? When when is season two? Um, I know it's kind of in the works right now, but do you guys have an expected release date for that? <laughs> I wish. No, we actually, we have to fundraise for it. We, you know, we shot some scenes because we were losing the location that we've had for a year and a half for free. So we quickly had to pull it together. Like we got to shoot that as part of the story, shoot the move so that when we shoot the rest of season two in a new spot, it'll make sense. It'll be seamless. So we shot part of just like a few scenes from the next episode, but um, yeah, we don't have an exact date. We're looking, you know, we have it scripted. We're looking to fundraise and we're, I hope we don't have to do a crowdfunding. I hate those, um, but we may be doing that. And if so, it'll be later in the fall. Yeah. And, and definitely, uh, definitely keep in touch on that, man. And we'll, we'll put that out, out to the listeners um, for sure. You know, this is, like I said, I can't say it enough. Um, the, the, the cause that you guys are, are working towards and, and spreading the, um, 
spreading the word of recovery and addiction, man. It's, it's, it's fucking huge, dude. Um, and then one, one last thing, dude, the, the, that I love is, um, just the words loud and clean and kind of what that means to me, um, is I don't have to be ashamed of, of this shit. I don't have to, um, keep it inside. And mm-hmm. the moment that I, I feel that I have to is the moment that, um, I may or may not help the other addict out there that suffers. Um, so I'm very vocal about, um, my recovery. Um, I'm actually more vocal about what I was like when I was, um, caught up in my shit. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I look at a lot of it with humor. Um, I look at a lot of it in seriousness, but it's one of those things, man, that, it, that keeps me, um, clean today is to remember where the fuck I came from for sure. And definitely, I always say we got to wear it like a badge of honor, you know, and you can say I've been there, done that. And I did it all. Yeah, for sure. So Tess, um, again, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And, um, I, I have, um, one question that I like to ask all of, all of my, my guests is, for the addict alcoholic out there, or even just the, the normie that's, that's, uh, struggling with depression, anxiety, um, emotional issues, overeating, whatever the fuck we struggle with. If you had, you know, a couple words of advice, a paragraph to say, what would you say to the person that still struggles out there? Um, it's never too late. It is never too late. I went back to college when I was, I mean, I, I went to school. Yeah, I guess I was 35, you know, it's never too late. And if I could offer like a book to pick up, it would be the commute, your local community college handbook and sign up for a class and find a dream if you don't have one. Fuck yeah, that's powerful right there. I know that there's, you know, <laughs> there's people out there, um, myself included, like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, I'm almost nearing 40, like my life's almost over. But nah, thank you. Thank you so much for that, Tess. Um, sure, my pleasure. It's been fun. Thanks. Thanks so much for, for coming on today. It's been an honor to have you on. It's been an honor to talk to you. Um, I am greatly appreciative and so much gratitude for our connect that we had the 40 minutes before we hit the record button. Um, thank you so much, so much for coming on today. Oh, it was awesome. This is the best, best interview ever. Fuck yeah. Much love to you <laughs> for tuning in and supporting that sober guy radio love, respect, and keep your blood clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs>